0: Hey, this is Stacy, the Preacher Chick. Welcome to the next episode of the Preacher Chick Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm sharing with you the sermon that I just preached at church for the start of the Advent season. So I hope you enjoy it as we looked at what it means to look ahead as well as celebrate the anticipation of the birth. We look ahead to His coming.
1: this time of year and the anticipation and the expectation that we celebrate with our coming savior. And, and it's, it's such a dichotomy of this anticipation. Um, there's an article written by a man named Justin Holcomb for Christianity Today, and it was called, What is Advent? And in it, he quotes the catechism of the Roman Catholic church. And it says, when the church celebrates The liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for uh, for his second coming. And by celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire that he must increase and I must decrease. In other words, Advent is the time where the hearts and minds of the faithful simultaneously looking back at Christ's first coming, but are also looking ahead to his second coming. And as much as I love this season, I, I, it's true for me that the older I get, the, the, the more difficult it becomes for me to only see the birth and not look forward to his death and resurrection, and not look forward to a second coming. Because if his birth was where the the miraculous part of it stopped, then it would have just been another baby being born. But because of Christmas, and because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have this hope that he is coming again. We have this hope that um, this baby who came in the most humble of ways, Um, died and paid my life's ransom and if we're very honest we would have no choice but to say how caught up we are in the reality that we are closer than any other moment ever in history to the day when he calls his church home in Mark chapter 13 verses 24 to 37 we see um, it says but in those days After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the heavens. I decided as I was preparing this that I'm just going to start looking through Scripture for all the references of the four winds. Because every time you read them, there is something powerful and mighty that's happening. And here he says, he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Learn this lesson in verse 28 from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near at the door. I hope that excites you. (laughs) Verse 30, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Everybody say no one. No one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert. For you don't know when the time is coming. It is like a man on a journey who has left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or early in the morning, or the the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone. Be alert. One of the most important words in this passage appears three times in the last five verses, and the Greek word is Gregorio, which means to stay awake. This can also be translated as watch or stay vigilant. The word also appears as the command to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus tells them, to stay awake when they weren't able to, and he's calling his disciples then as he calls us today to watch for his work in the world and for his coming. We have to watch where we put our trust. We know that in the Old Testament times, this pre-Jesus, so to speak, time of, of living, the Spirit of God did not dwell within the hearts of the people, but um, came but God would come upon them as needed. He would come upon them to empower them to do what he was calling them to do. And um and 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 then there was a, a part of the tabernacle, a part of the temple where his spirit dwelled, where the priests were able and the only ones to go. And that was even very cautiously and um and and a very thought out methodic way that they did. They thought that because The temple represented God's presence in their midst, that they were the most favored of all people. You know, these temples were um, magnificent structures that they were very, very proud of. They saw it as the mark of God's blessing on their existence. And in the first few verses of Mark chapter 13, before the passage that we read this morning, Jesus foretells of the destruction of the temple, and how not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. In other words, he's saying this temple, man, it's going to just not even exist anymore. Within about thirty-five years of Jesus's um, words of this concerning its destruction, the temple was nothing but a pile of rubble. The once great structure was completely demolished, and God's judgment came upon the temple because the majority of the Jewish people rejected jesus as the messiah now i think um that sounds very similar to how we are living today and what we see going on in the world around us and it even kind of sounds a little bit like 2020 doesn't it our very perspective on church and what that means has been challenged and the warning for us is that we need to be careful as well we can and many, many have put our trust in church attendance or in our heritage. I mean, I know I think that uh, my, my family heritage is, is special and really important. I think it's very neat to be able to say that I'm a fourth-generation credentialed minister of the Assemblies of God and, and our family, and, I'm, and I love that I'm not the first woman in our family and all of that. And while that's special, that can't be where my hope and where my trust lies, In the end, those things are great, but none of them matter. What matters is what we have done with Jesus. What good is a heritage if it isn't lived out or carried on in tangible ways? What good is your church attendance if you don't have a relationship with Jesus? What purpose is our goodness if it isn't to be lived out? And if I'm honest with you right now, I am less concerned about our ability to meet in person in this building that we call church than I am with the truth that our outreach has dramatically, dramatically changed and in most ways has even halted. That bothers me more than our inability to meet together in this building. Because God didn't put us here just to have this great building to gather together. He placed this This building here for us to meet in, to send us out into the community to do good things in his name and for his glory. And we have got to use this season and the message of Jesus to realign and and refocus our priorities, our trust to be in him alone and nothing else. We have to watch how we spend our time. I mean, our time is important. It's a precious commodity. You know, we are called in Scripture to be good stewards of what God has entrusted into us, but I think that includes our time and our gifts and our talents, our resources of all kinds. Our time is precious, and we need to steward it well, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Or you can use your time for self-gratification, self-preservation, self-glorification. In my lifetime, I have seen quite a few use their time to try and predict the return of Jesus down to a small window of time to no avail, like it goes nowhere because we just read it. Um, Jesus himself said that he doesn't even know the day or the hour. So what in the world makes any human being ever in the history of the world think that they somehow have the corner on that information? Jesus doesn't know. Why would you know? And why are we spending time trying to figure it out? If you look back at verses 34 to 36, Jesus does not say that the master wants the doorkeeper to figure out when he's coming back. He says, he says to watch for him, to be prepared for him. In Matthew 24, verses 45 to 46, he says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Family, our time should be spent doing more productive things for the kingdom of God than trying to pinpoint when that return is going to be at. Prayer. So I, listen, there are so many of, of our church people who have been unable to get out at all because they of their health or or where they live or whatever they they don't get out and i've had many people say i just wish i could do more all i can do is pray oh my gosh i'm not sure i'm not sure there's a better use of your time pray pray serve where you can and how you can be loving give your praise to him give what you can share what you have be the servant that our master finds doing the work that he's called us to do not sitting in a safe Christian bubble, twiddling our thumbs with our eyes fixed on the sky instead of our hands wrapped around the hurting and the broken. When the walls of the city were being rebuilt, Nehemiah equipped the workers for both battle and the building. In in chapter 4, 17 of Nehemiah, he says, who were rebuilding the wall, the laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon in the other. You can keep a watchful eye. You should keep a watchful eye. But you need to be about the Father's business at the same time. And to use the cliche, let's not be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. We have to watch that we don't take control. That's hard. It's our human nature to want to be in control and to have everything figured out. There are a lot of bad things that are going to happen if you read about the end times, if you read about what's going to happen prior to Jesus' return, there are going to be persecutions. There will be natural disasters, and there will be a lot of personal suffering. The Bible tells us that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. He is not a respecter of persons. The simple lesson here is that we can rely on God. Even when things are out of control, We can rely on him. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening in the world around us, no matter how bad things seem, God is moving everything toward completion and fulfillment. He really does have a plan and really will work things for our good and to his glory. Now, when we stand in front of people who demand that we give an account of our faith, God will be there for us because Scripture says that that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen in the broad general stroke of everything that every single Christian that exists on the planet is going to have to do that, but I think we need to be prepared because Scripture says it will happen, and it is happening in many parts of the world today. And it's not about him removing us from that situation. It's about remembering that he's with us in that situation. The Holy Spirit will be our comfort and our guide, as he's promised to be. I mean, we talked last week that when the going gets tough, God hasn't promised to make things easy. He's promised to give us strength and encouragement to keep going. We need to watch and be prepared. That's the fourth lesson that we should always be prepared for Jesus to come again. Jesus says in a parallel passage in in Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44, Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming, but know this. If the o- homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. I, I almost It almost makes me laugh when I read that verse, like of all the people who have tried to figure out when God was going to send Jesus to come back for us, do you, do, you, do you think God's sense of humor is just dark and twisted enough that even if it was, like if that was the time he planned, he was like, not now. Because like I said, no one's going to know, and you figured it out, so never mind. I'm going to move on to a different day. I know that sounds funny, but that's like how I think. I just think that it must boggle his own mind. Like he must sit in heaven and be like, what are they doing? I have told them Jesus doesn't know. So we live with the expectation that it could be at any given moment. I heard about a family who was discussing their pastor's sermon on a Sunday afternoon over lunch, and the sermon was about Jesus' second coming. And the teenage son said that he still had a lot of questions about Christ's return. Now, the father tried his best to answer the son's questions. The father finally said, look, we just don't have all the answers that we might like to have but we do have all that we need to know the best preparation is simply to live each day as if it were your last to which the son replied I tried that once and you grounded me for a month we are supposed to live our lives not hey what would I do if this was the last day I would ever live and how would I make my life be great but how should I live my life knowing that it could be the last day that I encounter people who need him Being prepared primarily is making sure that your heart is right with the Lord and that your salvation is settled through Jesus. So whether you have prayed a prayer before, or maybe you're approaching this choice for the first time, you know, it's not a magic thing that you there's not like a special way to pray that makes it all okay. That's there's not a a gimmick here or a formula. It's simply admitting that you're a sinner who needs the grace and the mercy of Jesus to come into your life and allow his death and resurrection to cover you and bring you into right relationship with God. You you can make this very moment right now as you're listening, as you're watching. You can take this moment and you can pray what comes from your heart. And you need to know that you're not alone if you do that. You're not alone. You're not expected to figure it all out on your own. You're not You're not expected to be able to open the Bible and understand every word the first time you read through it. There is a community that is the church, not a building, but God's people who want to rally around you and help walk with you in that. And, and I hope that you will pray that prayer today. And if you do, I want you to tell us in the comments or watch and be prepared. Watch for His coming and be prepared. Have your heart right with Him. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, when we talked about Advent, we are living in the in-between. We are living in this moment, and what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us who are awaiting the arrival of Jesus as a baby? We need the same word that Jesus gave his disciples. Stay awake. We need to stay awake in two areas. The first is in the things that surround us in this world and in the things that lie within our hearts. Because there will be powers in heaven, Scripture says, um, that tremble. I mean, it's, Scripture tells us that the stars will fall from the sky, the moon will stop shining. That's like almost unfathomable to imagine. I can't even picture it in my head. These things, that there will be things that happen in our own lives that we need to pay attention to. And Jesus wants us to watch in both of these places for his great and his glorious coming, knowing that even though our foundations, inside or outside ourselves, may shake, he comes to make his blessings known. And I heard a song in the last couple of weeks that is just beautiful and it goes right along with this expectation of um of waiting for Jesus Jesus we long for your coming and in this season there's this excitement and expectation as we celebrate that you came that you were born and that you died for us. But at the same time, there is this hope that stirs within us an expectation that you are coming again. That your coming could be at any moment. That your coming could be so quickly appearing on the horizon. And so we, we keep our eyes tuned in to you. But Lord, help us to keep our hearts and our hands busy doing the work that you've called us to do, not because our salvation depends on it, but because the kingdom's advancement depends on us doing our part, because there are people who are broken and hurting and lost who are in desperate need of the saving grace of Jesus, the the advent of your uh, first coming. They need that experience. They need that hope. They need the salvation that you brought so that they can have the expectation and experience the second coming. Lord, your kingdom is what we're here for. And we pray the prayer that Jesus set an example, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that that means we have a role to play. So Father, help us in our waiting to not be Lazy, to not be complacent, but to watch as we do what you've called us to do. To be busy about our Father's business. We want to be your hands and feet in this world. We want to be the mouthpiece that the Holy Spirit speaks through for those who need the message of hope. Give us the strength we need, Lord. Give us the tenacity, a holy and a righteous, sanctified tenacity to not give up, but to keep going, to keep pursuing, to keep persevering and enduring in this world that is just dark and and hopeless without you. Let us be the light that shines in that darkness. Let us be the the hope that draws others in. Because we are waiting in hope of you. I pray that, that for everyone who is under the sound of my voice, that they would be able to say the same thing, that this is our soul's longing. And so we wait for you. We invite you in. And we ask that we would be who you need us to be in this world.
0: Advent has become such a special season in my life. There's just something about the anticipation and the expectation of Jesus' arrival. I hope that that word spoke to you. If you enjoyed it, it would mean so much to me. If you would like and rate the podcast, if you would share the podcast with a friend, and if you'd subscribe to help you never miss an episode, but also it does a lot for the algorithms and boosting the podcast to those who might need to hear it. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk again next time.